Thanks for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the podcast from Dream Queen's Medical Centre, Nottingham. In this episode, we'll be discussing abdominal pain in later pregnancy. As ever, all information is correct at the time recording. Any guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospitals NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. Hello, welcome back to Take Orally. Uh, delighted that Dr. Anna Richmond has come back to us after a period of absence. Welcome back, Anna. Thank you. Uh, teaching fellow in obstetrics and gynaecology. Yes. I've only been absent from doing this, by the way. <laughs> Not otherwise absent. Not otherwise absent, no. Um, I think, were we still in the European Union when we last podcasted together? It was a while ago, anyway. Are we in the European Union now? Hard technically, to say. technically, Hard to say. maybe. Anyway, so thank you so much for coming back uh, to us. Today we're going to uh, have a chat about uh, abdominal pain in later pregnancy, mm-hmm. uh, including the non-pregnancy and the pregnancy-related causes. Yeah, within reason. Maybe within not reason. covering the entirety of non-pregnancy-related abdominal pain causes. It's more like a day symposium topic. Quite, yeah. yeah. Um, OK, so obviously this could be a little bit of a, a minefield, so we obviously need to know what we're dealing with here. Well, obviously, a pregnant woman is still somebody that could technically suffer from any uh, cause of abdominal pain, and it may not be necessarily related to the pregnancy. So it could be a number of different things, but obviously there are some things which are more common than others. Marvellous. Uh, so when we're talking about later pregnancy, how far into the pregnancy are we when we get to later pregnancy? So by that I mean, and so the focus of this uh, podcast will be on people who are more than 20, 24 weeks pregnant. So this is not talking about women who are in early pregnancy with abdominal pain where we might be thinking about ectopic mm-hmm. miscarriage. Okay. See earlier podcasts. Excellent, brilliant, you beat me to it. <laughs> okay, um, so if we save the non-pregnant causes to, one, uh, to later on and we start just thinking about the pregnancy-related causes yep. of abdominal pain in later pregnancy, yep. um, so what sort of causes there that are pregnancy-related should we be thinking about? So I always think before you go and see anybody, um, pregnancy or outside of pregnancy or whenever, if you are told that somebody has um, a symptom, you should probably be thinking straight away what what should be going on. Mm. And the things that we definitely want to rule out in someone who is later pregnancy with pain is preterm labour or labour if she's obviously after 37 weeks pregnant. Um, preeclampsia can cause abdominal pain and we can go more into the details of that but I think we've also covered that in another podcast shameless plug (laughs) Um, and placental abruption so again I think we've already covered placental abruption in in another podcast where we were talking more about vaginal bleeding and Mm. antepartum hemorrhage but it can cause abdominal pain and I think we covered in that particular podcast how you don't always have bleeding it can just present um, this is placental abruption just present with pain Mm. and no bleeding so these are the kind of key things that you definitely want to be ruling out from your history and examination okay Uh, and so um, what then non-pregnancy related causes are there that we could see Um, So common things, so things like urinary tract infection, obviously, we see um, a great deal. Other um, surgical causes, so appendicitis or other bowel-related pathology, particularly in someone who maybe has had previous surgery and you may be thinking of um, a bowel obstruction, for example. I've seen that a couple of times. Um, Things like gallstones we see fairly often as well. Um, Kind of, you know, youngish woman. That's quite a common thing, isn't it, in uh, that particular group. Um, But I think the things that we need to remember is that a history is really, really key and looking for those specific symptoms that might 
indicate it's more related to a pregnancy cause than a non-pregnancy cause, and that's what you're really trying to differentiate. So the key things that would... Um, and it'd be, it'd be more specific for a pregnancy-related cause, as if the pain seems actually more localised to the uterus. Whereas, obviously, if you've got someone who's got um, gallstones, for example, then actually this is going to be right upper quadrant mm. pain um, with the kind of the typical features of that. If you were to ask them where the pain was or if you examined them, they probably wouldn't say it was on the uterus. Whereas somebody presenting with um, preterm labour they would be complaining of intermittent abdominal pain, um, cramping present over the uterus, or they may feel it in their back. They may also have other symptoms, bleeding, loss of fluid vaginally. So I think that this is a bit of a minefield because it could be so many different things that you could be dealing with. Mm. Um, but I think it's just highlighting, yeah, trying to be specific in getting out, actually, what's the patient saying? It's not just abdominal pain. Mm. Where is it? What kind of pain is it? Is it constant or intermittent? Does it move anywhere else? Um, has she ever had this type of pain before? So somebody who, for example, preterm labour, if she's had a baby before and you say, does this feel like your previous labour? And she says, yes, then you should take that seriously, that this could be labour pain. Um, yeah. Mm. I often say to my students, abdominal pain is easier in men. Okay. If your patients are male, it's a lot easier. You've only got one set of you know, GI organs really necessary to deal with. Yeah, I mean, that's true, but I, w I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm an obs and gynae registrar, so Maybe. I don't see any men, so I would say that was harder. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on your perspective. Just tell you, it's like, oh, that's, that's a deep thought. Anyway, um, so, uh, so we've, we've taken a bit of our history. What about examination then? How do you examine a, a, a lady in later pregnancy with abdominal pain? So we want to be doing a, um, a general examination, obviously. You know, what do they look like? Do they look like they're significantly in pain? If that is the case, we're going to be a bit more concerned than someone who's laying very comfortably. So this is like a general thing. Um, we do want to then do kind of two components of an abdominal examination. One focusing on the fact that she's pregnant. Where's the baby inside? Can we feel bit, uh, the fetal movements? Um, is the baby, what, what presentation is the baby, cephalic or breech? All of those things are going to be um, helpful to know. But then not forgetting the contents outside of the uterus. So when we palpate, yes, palpate the uterus for tenderness, but also palpate around. Is there pain in the right upper quadrant? Is mm. there pain superpubically? Mm. If we're thinking of UTI, is there pain in the loins? Yeah. So it's just trying to then focus the examination on what the patient has told us and what we think is likely um, going on. Mm. The other thing um, that you might be able to find thinking about preterm labour is um, if you were to examine the abdomen, you may feel the uterus relax and contract. Um, so if you've never felt that before, then you may not know what you're feeling. But essentially, if you feel the uterus and everything feels really hard, you can't actually feel the baby mm. because everything just feels really hard and you can't compress. And then, sometime later, it feels nice and soft again, that probably is a contraction of the uterus. Um, and so you may get kind of an idea of um, if the pain is in time with that um, uterine uh, contraction um, and get an idea of how frequently that's mm. happening as well during your examination. Mm. Um, and then moving on from abdominal examination, you may want to do um, other aspects of an examination to rule out other causes. So if we're thinking about preterm labour or labour, um, or maybe even an, an, an abruption, we want to do um, a vaginal speculum examination. So for preterm labour, we want to see is the cervical os open or closed? 
Um, obviously, if it was open, then that would tell us that this is probably preterm labour. And if we can see bleeding, um, then we might be more concerned about an abruption, depending on what the patient has told us. Um, there are other things that we can do as well that some of the students may have, may have seen during their attachment. So if we've got somebody that's got pain and that we think it might be preterm labour, we do a speculum and we find the cervical loss is closed. We have special swabs that we can take, um, which give us essentially an idea of how likely uh, this is the woman is going to go into labour. Mm. So we call them actum partus tests here, but I think probably at different hospitals, different um, sites. Um, and it's essentially it's a, a test of fetal fibronectin, which is released from around the membranes when the lady is likely to go into labour. Um, and if it is a positive test, it's a bit like a pregnancy test, you take the swab from the upper vagina, pop it in the solution, and then you put this kind of test stick in, and one line is negative and two lines is positive. And if it's positive and you've got other symptoms suggestive of uh, preterm labour, then we would treat her as such. Okay. Um, so that can be like an additional adjunct you do mm. at the same time of, as the examination. Excellent. Um, and so uh, those are um, our examinations. What about our investigations? You already mentioned one. Are there any others that we would be doing? So clearly it absolutely depends on why the patient has mm. come in, the symptoms, you know, what kinds of things we're wanting to get from our investigations. I think as like an absolute minimum, we're obviously going to do a full set of observations, including a blood pressure, which kind of comes <laughs> under examination, and a urine sample as well. One, to rule out infection, also to rule out protein that might be there in um, a patient with preeclampsia. Mm. So those things are, you know, basic standard. Everyone will have them probably even before you've <laughs> even seen or set eyes on the patient. Um, blood tests you might do. So if you're thinking that somebody might have preeclampsia and perhaps the pain is all in the upper abdomen and you know, as we've discussed previously, that can be a sign of preeclampsia, then you're definitely going to want to do your full preeclampsia blood. So full blood count, um, specifically looking for your platelet numbers um, and your haemoglobin, just in case they're, um, they're anemic, um, or that can be associated with preeclampsia, and your liver function tests, because you can get elevated um, liver enzymes in a condition called HELP, which I think we've discussed before, we, we won't go into, but it can present as abdominal pain. So you're going to want to do those kind of basic blood tests, um, at least to rule that out. Mm. Um, and then other investigations, I think you would probably do um, a CTG, so a cardiotrochograph of the baby, to check on fetal health. That would be particularly important if you were thinking about preterm labour, um, not only to uh, make sure that the fetus was healthy and you know no evidence of um, hypoxia, but also the CTG along the bottom line gives us an idea of if there's uterine activity and so can tell us how often that is happening. So that's a very useful thing to do. Excellent. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> I'm sure there are, but it depends on why the patients come in. Because obviously, you know, if you're thinking gallstones, then an ultrasound of the abdomen mm. would be helpful to know if that was the case um, or not. Um, similarly, um, if you're thinking it could be appendicitis, then sometimes they're doing, uh, doing an ultrasound. If it, and it's difficult to make the diagnosis mm. of appendicitis when somebody is in much later pregnancy. So the clinical diagnosis can be harder to, to determine. So an ultrasound may be helpful in that circumstance as well. If you're thinking polynephritis, again, you may um, you may arrange an ultrasound in that circumstance. Again, if it's not very easy to or to be certain of the diagnosis mm. from your clinical history and examination. Yeah. Ultrasound, obviously, the safest as well for, for the foetus. 
In terms of imaging? Yes, in terms of imaging. So, yeah, if you were thinking of um, something where you were thinking of, um, you know, a CT scan, we generally wouldn't do a CT scan of the abdomen um, in pregnancy unless you had, like, a really good court reason for doing it, but I've mm. never come across that. Okay. Um, and so then we've uh, we've examined, we've um, taken our history, we've investigated. Mm -hmm. Shall we then just have a chat about management? Of course, this is as open as whatever the cause yeah. is, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely um, is. Um, so yeah, management of patients in later pregnancy uh, with pain. Okay. <laughs> Go. <laughs> so a lot of the time we don't actually find a cause, I should tell you. So we might rule out a lot of things from mm. the investigations we've done. Everything kind of turns up normally. Um, it may be that um, it's something simple. Lots of women, you know, in later pregnancy may complain of kind of lower abdominal pain, and it's actually related to something called pelvic girdle pain, which was previously called symphysis pubis dysfunction. So essentially a condition of the ligaments and, you know, musculoskeletal mm. pain because of the relaxation of ligaments in later pregnancy. Um, and in that case... Reassurance that you know we haven't found anything more sinister, and um, that that is a, a normal part of pregnancy to a degree, mm -hmm. and, and management with analgesia will, will be sufficient. Um, if we found somebody who is in um, preterm labour, we need to manage them as such. So either go to straight to delivery suite, or at least be giving them steroids um, and, and monitoring them uh, very carefully. Um, if they have an abruption, then it's likely they're going to need an immediate delivery. If they have a UTI, we're going to give them antibiotics. So I feel like this is <laughs> it's difficult, isn't it? Because there's so many things. Yeah. Um, if you find a non-pregnancy related thing within reason, so if someone has a UTI, then we, you know that's, it's possible that we can manage that. And we normally on an outpatient basis, we wouldn't need to do anything else. If you're considering something kind of more significant that may have an implication either for the pregnancy or for the patient out of pregnancy, we need to remember to incorporate a colleague as well from that speciality. So if we suspect appendicitis, then we do need our surgical colleagues to come in. Gallstones, similarly, we may ask them to come and give their advice. Um, and obviously, if we're thinking there's anything kind of more serious going on, which I think is hard to kind of cover in a 20-minute podcast, um, then, yeah, we would absolutely have to kind of ask different specialities to kind of come and give their advice to work out what was going on. OK. I think that reflects, because I think the, the statistic is patients who come to, with abdominal pain to A&E, the majority, 40%, we just don't find a cause. We rule out everything serious. So, yep. And it's much the same, yeah. even if you've got a, a human being inside you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think we're... Um, and we don't want to kind of do this... Um, just straight away but I think if somebody we, we rule everything out it's quite easy to say well you're pregnant obviously you've got pain I don't know that's yeah. that terrible doesn't it yeah and we, we wouldn't do that um, as like an initial thing just to mm. kind of we want to make sure we take every patient seriously that obviously presents with pain make sure that we rule out these serious things but it is not unusual to come to the conclusion that we've not found anything serious the patient goes home with obviously safety netting advice of what to look out for and she can obviously come back to us at any time yeah. and if you've taken them on that process of going we've so we're doing this to check for that oh that's negative and now we've checked for that oh that's negative and the yeah. patient's there Okay, 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 I see. Then actually, yeah. Yeah, feels reassured. Um, and the other thing that I've just come to mind that can be quite common is even patients where you're kind of considering preterm labour as a, as a diagnosis, um, practice contractions, Braxton Hicks contractions, yeah. shouldn't actually be painful, 
but some people's experience of pain can be very different and that sensation sometimes of tightening women can find quite uncomfortable so in those circumstances if we haven't found any kind of definite evidence that actually the labour process is starting that test I spoke to you about the mm. special one to see if um, you know, the, the lady's likely to go into labour is negative, the contractions are quite mild and they're happening infrequently. It may just be that that's Braxton Hicks and they can happen from 20 weeks onwards. Um, and again, in that case, reassurance and what to look out for is the key thing. Thank you very much, Anna. Thank you. That was the Take Orally Abdominal Pain in Later Pregnancy podcast. You can find the blog entry and take visually for this podcast at uh, takeorally.com. You can also find Take Orally on both Facebook and Twitter. For more information about research and education opportunities within emergency medicine, acute medicine and major trauma, you can find NUH Dream on both Facebook and Twitter.